The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Certainly any and all sins have the consequence of spiritual and physical death. But getting past that fact, what about God's perception of sin? It is sometimes defined as that which is against His character. But here is an interesting question. Is all sin equally grievous to God? Are there degrees of sin in that aspect? Is there a hierarchy of sins? What does the Bible indicate about this? That is where our discussion will take us today on the Grace in Focus podcast broadcast. We're thankful that you are joining us today. This is a ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. You can find out more about us and about our online seminary at faithalone.org or gesseminary.org. Well, let's get into this discussion today with President of Grace Evangelical Society, Bob Wilkin. Today I have a question from Sylvia in Uganda, and it's an excellent question, and she says, does God grade sin? Are there moderate sins and grievous sins in the perspective of God? I like this question because there are many people who seem to hold the view that all sin is equally grievous to God. But that's clearly not the case in Scripture. We're told that pride is ultimately one of the greatest uh, sins. There are several places where we're told that there are six things which God hates, yea, seven. And these list the various sins. Um, Clearly, sexual immorality is a sin against the body. And it's different than other sins, so that many of the diseases that people get as a result of being involved in sexual immorality are a God-given consequence to that behavior. It would also be fair to say that though the Lord Jesus said to lust after someone in your heart is to commit adultery, that doesn't mean that to lust in your heart is equal in severity. If you lust in your heart, you're not going to get HIV or AIDS or any of the various other STDs that are out there. And if you have hatred in your heart, that's not the same as murdering people in terms of the consequences. Yes, it's like the sin of murder, but it doesn't mean that the state is going to send you to prison for the rest of your life or execute you or that God is going to bring about the same level of judgment. In my view, there's a hierarchy of sins. And so some sins are more grievous than others. Immorality is very high on the list. Idolatry is extremely high on the list. Uh, Pride is very high on the list. When you look at Scripture, I would encourage you to recognize that not all sin is equal in terms of the consequences that God meets out. Yes, it's true that any sin is sufficient for a person to be separated from God apart from, and I must emphasize this, apart from the blood of Christ. Because of the blood of Christ, no matter what sins we commit, those sins do not separate us from God. 
John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, when he died on the cross, he removed the sin barrier. He became the bridge between God the Father and man. And as a result, the only condition of everlasting life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16, the Lord said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but has everlasting life. The issue is believing in him, not behaving in him. And so our sins no longer separate us from God. Uh, There are consequences, of course, for our sins, whether we're believers or unbelievers. And ultimately, the reason we die is because the wages of sin is death. In 1 John 5, we're told there is a sin that leads to death. And he says, I don't ask that you pray about that. Uh, He's talking about sin that leads to immediate death. You had that in Leviticus 10 when they offered up strange fire. They may have been drunk at that time. If you read the Lord's injunction after that, that the priests were not to drink before they did priestly service. Also in Acts chapter 5, at the beginning of the church age, Ananias and Sapphira lied about how much money they received for some land they sold. They were trying to impress people with their gift And as a result, they died prematurely. So some sins do lead to premature death immediately, some gradually, and some as long as we are walking in the light and confessing our sins, they don't lead to our premature death. Instead, we continue to walk in fellowship with God. That doesn't mean, of course, that God never takes home a believer who's walking in fellowship with him. Uh, Sometimes he does take home believers before they reach fullness, like Moses said in Psalm 90, 70, or 80 years old or beyond. Sometimes a believer will die before then because God has other purposes. But we should never be confused in thinking that somehow sin is of little consequence. The fact that everlasting life is a free gift doesn't give us a license to sin. Instead, it gives us a license to live righteously. We're set free, according to Galatians 5, 1 and following, so that we may glorify God with our bodies. Well, I have a second question here, and this question is from GK. And another interesting question, GK asks, During the millennial reign of Christ, many who grow up in the millennium will get saved. When do these saints get judged? After all, the saints today must appear before the Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. It would only seem fitting that these saints will be judged as well. Great question, GK. According to Scripture, everyone is going to be judged according to their works. Unbelievers will be judged at the great white throne judgment. They will be judged according to their works to determine their degree of torment in the lake of fire. Look at Revelation 20, 11 to 15. They're not condemned on the basis of their works. They're condemned because they're not found written in the book of life, Revelation 20, 15. We know that church age believers will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ according to our works to determine our degree of rewards in the life to come. In Matthew 16:27, the Lord Jesus said, The Son of Man is coming 
in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he will recompense each according to his works. Luke nineteen eleven through 27 talks both about the judgment seat of Christ in verses 16 through 26 and the great white throne judgment in verse 27. We're not told when the Old Testament saints will be judged, but according to Hebrews 11, there will be rewards for the Old Testament saints. I would guess that the Old Testament saints will be judged sometime between the end of the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium. There are 75 days in there, according to Daniel chapter 12. What about millennial saints? Well, there will be children going from the tribulation into the millennium, and they will go in in natural bodies, and they will grow up, and they will have children, and those children will populate the millennium, and the children who came in will populate the millennium in natural bodies. And G.K. is right. They, too, will need to be judged, whether they're believers or unbelievers. So if they're unbelievers, at the end of the millennium, they will end up at the great white throne judgment and they will be judged. But if they are believers, there's one of two possibilities. One possibility is they will be judged at the great white throne judgment. I was speaking at Victor Street Bible Chapel one time, and I mentioned that no believers will be present at the great white throne judgment. And Zane Hodges suggested I was wrong. He said, I think believers will be present as witnesses at the great white throne judgment. We'll be there to give testimony if needed and to observe what's going on. It's also possible I believe he pointed this out as well, that the believers from the millennium could be judged then because verse 15 says, anyone not found written in the book of life, Revelation 20:15, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hodges suggested that may imply there are people present whose names are written in the book of life. If so, the great white throne judgment could be a time of judgment for the believers from the millennium. Otherwise, there may be a separate judgment for millennial saints, and we just aren't given the name of that judgment. Well, I have a short question here from John, and John says, Dear radio guys, would you be comfortable with this phrase when evangelizing? Quote, Salvation is by believing in Jesus Christ for the gift of everlasting life, with no strings attached. Okay, John, I really like that, because here's what you've put. Salvation is by believing in Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life with no strings attached. So I like that statement because you're calling eternal life a gift, which is what you see in John 4, 10 through 14, and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's called the gift of God. You say there's no strings attached. Well, the Lord made that clear in John 3.16, John 5.24, John 6.28 and 29. Paul made it clear in Ephesians 2.8 and 9 when he says it's not a result of works lest anyone should boast. And you say it's by believing in Jesus Christ. Christ, of course, means the Messiah, the anointed one. And so you've got the three elements, believing in Jesus Christ for what he promises, which is the gift of everlasting life. You even call it salvation. You say salvation is by believing in Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life 
with no strings attached. Another way you could say it is simply that all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the gift of eternal life with no strings attached have that gift. So that's a, a, good, uh, a good way of putting it, and I would strongly encourage John and every one of you listening that if you come up with some kind of a statement like this, you always quote scripture when you share this with someone. Give them John 3.16, John 5.24, John 6.47, Ephesians 2.8.9, something that shows them that you're not making this up, but this comes from the Word of God, from the Lord Jesus Christ or from one of the apostles, but definitely from the Word of God. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you'll keep tuning in. And remember, keep grace in focus. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Most would say that eternal salvation is a free gift, but when it gets down to it, do Calvinists and free grace theologians understand this verse differently? Join us next time, and until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.